Okay, guys, we are back. Hello. I hope my connection is stable now. This is giving me a little bit of technical difficulties. I don't know why it's so grainy. Looks like an old timey movie, but we're going to work with what we got here. So um, as per usual, I'm excited for this friggin' lesson, especially this week, though, because this has come up so much already. And where I don't think that people have brought it up necessarily um, in the terms of the holiday stress so far, I've definitely I by doing this as long as I have, I know I kind of see the patterns. Right. And it starts out where stress is starting to, to mound the fear of not being consistent throughout the holidays, the colder weather, Halloween with the candy, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. So I've seen this in a pattern by now. So where what I have heard a lot of is stress and fear of consistency. What I know comes in, up with the holidays is stress and fear of lack of consistency. So I figure we jump right in. Even if you guys haven't mentioned it specifically holiday centered, can't hurt to have the jump on the season. Okay. So today we're going to talk about stress, sweets, how we use, how we have coping mechanisms that sometimes make things worse for us. So what I want is you guys in the chat, as I'm going over today, I want you guys in the chat to be super interactive as much as you can be. If something stands out to you, if something confuses you, put it in the chat. All right. I'm going to send, because like I said, it took me a minute to get logged in on here. I'm just going to send a reminder text in the chats. Hang on real quick. Come on. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. So who's dreading the food part of the holidays? Tell me in the chat. Who's dreading the food part of the holidays and why? And I promise this is going to be centered around stress, but you'll see how we connect it back. Tell me in the chat. <clears throat> Me, I want all, I want all the fudge. Okay. Fair enough. What else? Who else is dreading the part of the holidays, the food part of the holidays? Always too many parties, the tasty high carb delights. Not pleasing my family by eating their food and obviously the deliciousness. Right? Doesn't help that the food they want you to freaking eat is freaking delicious. Just adds to it. What else? I can't even think about the holidays yet. Getting over COVID. Ah, oh, now my daughter has it and I have surgery in two weeks. Yeah. You know what? So then we're going to use this as if you can make the stuff we go over today work during the holidays after all of this craziness, then you'll be good to go the rest of the time. Right. Out of what is the, the phrase like out of the frying pan into the fire? Um, dreading my family trying to get me to eat stuff I can't or to drink alcohol. That is a, that's one I hear all the time. Who feels like they come from an app, like an environment, like a family environment where it's kind of weird if they're not drinking. Cause like my family judges really, really harshly if you do drink, which is weird. But I also in doing this as long as I have, have heard from so many people that their family is like pushy with them if they're not also drinking in addition to the rest of them. 
which is surprising coming from like a really controlling household in the other direction. I think alcohol in general around the, ho the holidays, I mean, it's definitely a hot topic, even for people who are not, you know, who do drink it, but have hormone imbalance. It's like the holidays are, whew, you know, it's such a part of society. My ex's family pushed both food and booze. Yep. It's interesting, the concept of celebration, isn't it? So now who feels this is like a silly question who feels like they experience more stress near the holidays or because of the holidays coming up alexis i normally do drink so then they're confused valid point who feels like they experience more stress this time of year or leading into the holidays even if it's not related to the holidays it just feels like it's a, I don't know if this makes sense. It makes sense in my neurodivergent mind, but it feels like everything's a little bit thicker, you know, like, I don't know why that feels right, but everything's thicker, you know, the, the, the things you got to do, the clothes, the, the food, the expectations, it's just like a friggin' thick time of year. Let's see the chat. I only drink occasionally birthdays, New Year's, et cetera, but only around my direct family, no one else. Yep. I was just going to measure, uh, message my coach about that. Mm -hmm. It's such a busy time, overwhelming. Oh my God, I didn't want to think about the time change. Like how haven't we just completely nixed that by now? Like why are we still setting clocks back and forth? This is confusing. All my neurodivergence hate daylight savings time. And I think they're chronically ill too. You get used to sleeping in a certain pattern pattern or having enough daylight or darkness. Don't even get me started. <laughs> the holidays, I lose my mind. My kids are older now. I'm begging them to skip the holidays and go on vacation with me instead. Oh my God, what was that movie with Tim Allen? Was it Christmas with the Crunks or whatever? I think they're a lot cranks, crunk. <laughs> they're crunk. I don't know. Um, but that movie where they were like, we're just, we're going to go to the tropics. I think that sounded lovely. Like screw the holiday ham, you know? Um, so tempting every year to not just be in Mexico for the holidays. Uh, I feel the stress financially, winter blues, mm -hmm, et cetera, cause a lot of stress. The effort is greater during the winter. So isn't that the thing? Like there's so much going on that is taxing on our systems, especially with chronic illness. And it's the time of the year that whether you're like healthy or not, there's so many more demands put on us. So of course, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna kind of come to a head. Um, yes, but nothing about the actual holiday stresses me out. The people in my family who are stressed about the holidays stress me out. So you're, so it sounds like you take on that energy. If you're more empathic, let's say it's like the people around you, you can feed off of that. Yeah. Very common. Having to move again after Christmas. Whew, yeah. I'd say that's stressful. Uh, holiday stress. I want everyone to feel loved and welcome. So it feels like there's always a lot going on and work always ramps up because we typically don't work the last two weeks of December, busy seasons, you know, but I bet you do really well in crunch time. Like I bet a lot of us do really well in crunch time. So makes sense. Oh, I hope this is the last time change. It's just ridiculous. Honestly, my kids will be at their dad's. So I'm going to have my own time. Woo. We should figure out, we should make it like a really fun plan. Maybe make a theme something for you. I love that. 
uh, the dread of feeling bloated from eating constant trash, delicious trash. Um, I stopped doing all the things. I give gift cards. I say no to a lot. It has allowed me to actually enjoy things and want to do things, right? Because holidays can be celebrated differently. And for a lot of us, if we've been overstimulated and in survival mode without a choice of whether or not we're busy for all our whole lives, sometimes the ultimate celebration and enjoyment of a holiday is like being in charge of that time of the year for once, you know, so to be able to relax and maybe you want a lower key holiday. Um, I'm in peak form during crunch time. Yes. How did I know? I get it. Add a girl, Addie, sober 20 years. The only time I function is in crunch time. Yeah, that. So that's very common for those of us with uh, who have not just neurodivergency in the form of ADHD and OCD and stuff like that. But if you have a history of trauma where your your sense of survival was engaged all the time and not just from abuse, but let's say you grew up with a parent who had to like who was inconsistent. You didn't know what you were going to get or you had to be ahead of what their emotions might be. If you were parentified and leaned on for some pretty serious topics, sometimes unavoidable, if you had illness in your family where you had to grow up quick, a split in the family where you had to grow up quick, all of this kind of stuff really makes it so that we have the easiest time focusing when it's crunch time. Because there are no, like we can justify having no other distractions. There's no option but to get this shit done. And it, whereas most people hate that, they feel like they've waited last minute, they're super stressed. We might feel that too. There's that extra adrenaline that pushes us through that we come to crave in order to get things done. Like I've had a lot of clients say, I prefer to work only in crunch time. Even if that completely screws their hormones, mentally, it's a lot easier to just like suffer for a little bit, but know you're going to have a product at the end of it, you know, and that you hustled. I have lived like that my whole life. That's how I am. I have to work at tempering that. Um, so I don't go into flares and sometimes I still do. So it's just something to manage. It's very common. Anyone who relates to that, tell me in the chat. Um, okay. So let's see here. Um, now when it comes to food, in general, whether it's the holidays, whether it's just, you know, normally who feels like food is somewhat of either a coping mechanism or a punishment or either like a reward or a punishment. Sorry. Sorry, before everyone's dog starts freaking out. So someone, you know, closed a car door up the block, God forbid. Um, lots of lots of people here coping, both punishment, a little bit of both, 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 both. Yep. So here's the thing. The first thing I want to go over with you guys, sorry, I'm trying to focus on my notes here while they're screaming in my ear. Um First thing I want to go over with you guys, some of this will, some of you, this will be a review and some of you, this will be the first time you're hearing this, but I want you to take this away from this whole thing. And that is, if I were to ask you, if you want to be the thermostat or the thermometer, which one do you think you would want to be? 
and why? Tell me in the chat, would you want to be the thermostat or the thermometer and why? Yeah, the thermostat, I see a couple people answering there. I see Jen, you said, I wanna be in charge. Thermostat to set the temperature. Yeah, that's that's the gist of it because the the your a temper like um a thermometer goes up and down with the temperature of the room. If that room's hot, you're gonna go hot. If it's cold, you're gonna go cold. The thermostat decides what the temperature is going to be set at and keeps it at that setting. Now, I'm not saying this like you're gonna hear this analogy in Abra freaking Kadabra. Everything and your entire past and all of your trauma and trials and tribulations will melt away. No. But I think it's so important that when our health is affected by us not being the thermostat for completely justifiable reasons, I think it's like that, that might be the one thing we can work towards having any semblance of control over. And, and notice I said work towards having that because it's not easy. You know, like truth be told, when, like, when I first heard that philosophy, I was annoyed by it. I was like, oh yeah, because I'm just going to be the thermostat. Like I can just control my temperature. You know, I was like, I've always been a little bit defiant to something that's probably very true or like needs to be worked on um, at first at least. And then I reflect and take it in and I'm like, I know. Okay, fine. You know, like a lot of us I know do in here. Love you all. Um, so I think it's important to remember, you know, if, if we're in a situation we always have the ability to be the thermostat. It's about learning and working on and working on all that other shit to get to that point. And if that feels insurmountable, like I have way too much shit to ever get to that point, well, then that's going to be the truth. But anyone here in a rush? Anyone here want to suffer any longer than they have to? Because they will anyway, whether they want to be the thermostat or not. So it's like, might as well make use of the time you're here anyway, and potentially work little by little at changing it. Who connects to that sentiment? Initially feeling that resistance to being like, I just can't, like, I'm just going to be the thermostat, whatever, you know, but like, what other choice do we have but to work towards things that we want eventually? Got to be here anyway. not in a rush and I don't want to suffer. I don't blame you. Cause this, you know, I, I think I hate the terminology. Like life is short. Life is not short. Life is long as shit. You know, like if you're going to be here for several more decades and you've already been here for a few decades, right? Like why are, why are we like, we're trying to make our existence absolutely miserable as if, you know, we're, we're freaking got an expiration date and I get it. I get it. I, you know, I have illnesses in the past that have been, that have had expiration dates on them. You know, scleroderma, I was told there's an eight year life expectancy after diagnosis. I'm like year five or six, I think. I don't, I don't even remember. Um, and that was scary as shit. Like that was terrifying at first, you know, having to process that, put that away, deal with that. But I'll tell you what, again, I'm here year five or six. I'm fine. Like I know how to manage my body. I'm not saying everyone is the same as me, but I'm saying like, had I lived my life, like I did have an expiration date, I would have had a very different past five, six years. I don't know that I would 
be feeling as well as I do now because of the amount of stress that I carried from all my trauma and feeling like shit every day, you know? So I'm not trying to say like, you know, my story is just like yours, but I hope it, it helps a little, you know, is that just like, slow down. I know we want to feel, we want to feel different tomorrow. I get it, but we can't. So the time we have to be existing through this shit anyway, we might as well work at trying to make it a little bit more tolerable, a little less insufferable. Let's see. I'm always resistant to change, but I know change is what I need. I like the idea of change, but it's rough at first to get used to until I am more comfortable with the change, fear of failure at big changes. Then I, I think the thing that has to happen is to remind yourself there is no failure. Um, I love using my Dyson example because I am a huge fucking fan of resiliency. I am a pain in the ass. When I want something, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to try it again in a different way. And I'm going to try it again in a different way. I'm going to make it my bitch eventually. Like that is just my philosophy. And hey, you know what? We all have the same risk of getting hit by a bus tomorrow. So maybe, maybe my time will come. None of us can tell. But until that freaking moment comes, <laughs> I am going to work at finding the way I want to live my life. And, and if something doesn't work out that I try for, I'm going to take notice of what didn't work. And I'm going to do it again. Because nobody judges how many times you have to attempt at having a happy life, except you or us rather, you know, ourselves. So uh, <clears throat> let's see. And, and here's the thing. If you might've you might be in the camp that's heard this message a million times, you know, whether it's for me, anyone else, you may remember the original thermostat thermometer video I did like years ago, but I think that it's not just learning something once that changes us. I forget the statistic. It's something like, like 80% of the things that we hear we completely lose within, I have to look up the correct statistic, but it's like within a day or something, like within 10 hours, something like that. We lose most of what we learn and what we hear. ADHD, it's even higher. You know, we can't help it. It's a funny quirk to laugh about here, but like, you know, those of you who feel that, like we feel that. Sometimes we wanna hold on to something and it's just lost to the ether. That's part of the whole thing. That's normal even for people who don't have ADHD. So whether if you're hearing this now and you're like, I don't know why I still let it bother me. I should know this by now. Get that useless shit out of here. So you just, you, you, we get the tools, but learning how to apply them, when to apply them. That's why we're in programs that are this long. I can't stand programs that are like 12 weeks long. What the fuck are you going to accomplish in that time? Someone's been sick for decades. We're going to do anything in a few months. And I'm real about that because it's, it's true. This takes so much time. So if you have to hear this message a million times, it's okay because one day you're going to hear it, it's going to click and it's going to help you. But we, we, whether we have to work at it, however long we have to work at it, we can be the thermostat. It's just kind of figuring out how. So my family brings up vacations and trips. I've completely forgotten about. No, truly. It's like our brain, it's like, in its own dimension a lot of times. And it's, there's shame that comes with that. But if, if we wanted to be different, wouldn't every single one of us like want to remember things more? It's not on purpose, you know? Um, and trauma also erases memories, good ones too. You know, it's, it's part of this whole process. So how do we become the thermostat? 
um, I think it's important first to distinguish what makes your thermostat go up. So holidays aside, in your day-to-day, what do you find is something that can, without a doubt, make your thermostat go up? This could be doctor's appointments. This could be figuring out friggin' food. This could be dealing with some dingbat at work. This could be feeling like a dingbat at work, you know, but what gets your gears grinding on the daily? My students, I hear that all the time. People in general, I hear that all the time. Food, commute to work, being as an art, uh, as an educator for kids for sure. Mm -hmm. Meetings. What about meetings in particular? Dressing my children. Oh, that's a huge one, especially especially for people who have um, like any kind of sensory involvement. I think that it doesn't get talked enough about like audibly getting overstimulated or having to struggle with a kid to get them dressed or have any kind of order in your house when you're dealing with small humans, that is really overstimulating. Um, things not going the way I planned or anticipated. OCD in the house, I hear that. Definitely thinking about food, definitely commute to work, work itself, the unexpected. OCD also feel that. Um, my coworkers asking me the same things every day. Um, I remember, I remember being in the office environment and like, that would be something that would grind, that would grind my gears. And I felt like such a jerk getting upset about it, but, um, my difficult coworker or too many meetings in a day slash week, mm -hmm. planning the meetings, having all the info needed for it, being in the spotlight. So it's like a really multifaceted thing. Finances, that's the king daddy of stress, I find. It's like health and finances, like whew. people's attitude, interacting with judgy or irritating people at work, just being a woman in a male-dominated field. Oh, yeah, you're in construction. Oh, my God, I got a friggin' snippet of that when we were building on this house. So feeling like I'm not doing enough, super common. Overstimulated, saying no. Ooh, I like this. this is good. This is good. Who's relating to this as you're seeing other people writing this stuff out? Let's get really real about this. My own, dare I say, unrealistic expectations of myself. It's the witching hour, y'all. I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> um, things that need to get done in the future. I'm constantly overthinking about things I need to do. Mm -hmm. OCD, I hear that. My finance is definitely King Daddy stress right there. It really is. It feels all encompassing and we feel so responsible for doing the right thing. And bills really make it difficult to do the right thing, like for us a lot of times. So reconciling that and not feeling an urgency to get it all fixed right now, that's really tough. I relate to everything. Yeah, I relate fully to the unexpected feeling like I have to go, 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 right? And, and feeling like if you have to go, 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 there's a few reasons why. You might feel like you are not doing enough. You might feel like you're missing something. You might just feel guilty for not being productive because you're awake. I get that being a business owner for sure. Um, dumb men. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many people probably like, hmm, hmm, yeah. <laughs> but so... 
I think the, the thing to, to remember with all of this is everything, take a deep breath with me and I want you guys to say it along with me, okay? Everything is figure outable, even if it feels shitty. Because you are gonna figure it out at the end of the day, right? It's gonna suck. It might be stressful. You might have to, you know, do things that you don't want to do. You might have to wait longer for things that you've been waiting for. I'm not saying it's not going to, it's just going to be like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. But everything is figure outable because you do figure it out eventually. You, you know, God willing, whatever willing, knock on wood, whatever we have to do, send it up, send it out, that you don't end up losing everything you have. Sometimes we could feel like we're on the cusp of it all falling apart, but does it ever? I'm not saying it's full steam ahead, great, awesome, ideal, but does it ever quite fall apart to the glorious degree that we feel it will, will when we are at our lowest or most spirally? In the end, no. In the end, we figure it out. In the end, something, you know, it can wait a day and it'll still be shitty tomorrow. You know, it's the urgency isn't a real urgency. The urgency is discomfort. So when that is the case, you know, um, there's a Zoom I did. It's the assign a time, the assign a time Zoom. That one is really huge. And that's going to be really important for this holiday season. Um, and the concept of, uh, of that, without me going too much in depth, the concept of that is that because everything is figure outable and it feels urgent, but it's not necessarily urgent, you don't have a bill collector at your door with their hand out right? You don't have to figure out stuff. You don't, you, you can take a day off of trying to find a new doctor, right? Like I said, we all can get hit by a bus tomorrow, but generally if you waited that one more day, you know, I don't think any of us would keel over, you know, God willing. So there isn't always that need to fix it right now. It just feels that way. It's just another way to feel like shit about the current moment without actually solving anything. And now the problem you're upset about, you're upset for a reason. So it does need some time. It does need you to think about it, to work it through. But who's to say you can't do that on your own terms? The shit situation, the shit, shit situation. I tried to make that a thing and I don't think it works so well, but shit situation <laughs> is that it's there. It's a reality, right? So wanting it to go away to end your discomfort isn't a possibility. So end your own discomfort and look in your calendar and find a little, find a time, whether it's later tomorrow, this weekend, you realistically, you know, when, you know, you can push it off too. It's okay to push it off, but assign a time and attack it at that time. You get to see it coming up. You get to prepare yourself a little bit more. You don't have to dedicate your night that, that night when you're not going to do shit to change the situation anyway. You don't have to take that time and energy, but you also don't feel like it gets forgotten and you're not going to process it. So whether that's finances, dealing with some asshole at work, whatever it is, whatever makes your thermostat go up, look in your calendar and assign a time to really dive into that because it still deserves to be managed. It just should be on your terms. You got a whole lot of life to live outside of that thermostat, you know, aggravator. So, and the, the Zoom that describes that more in depth, assign a time, it is a good one. I think I've done that a couple of times and it's like one of my favorites. I use it so often. 
because otherwise it's just like a fucking mess of things I got to do. So, um, okay. Now let's talk sweets. Oh, wait, we have some questions. Let's see. I love questions. So keep them coming. Let me make sure I didn't miss any. Okay. So I'm just going back in the chat. Those of you who are listening to the recording, um, Anxious about seeing family members who I only see once a year and having them comment on my weight or food choices in an annoying way. Why aren't you eating this or that? You look better than last year, et cetera. You should try keto weight watchers. You must've loved my concerned family member, a spirit Halloween costume that I did in my post yesterday. Cause that's literally the image I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, I think that I did one. I title these zooms in the most like extra way that I forget what the fuck I named them. So I think that one is dealing with people around the holidays. I'm pretty sure it might be something like that. I will find it and I will bump it up on the page on the Facebook page, but I've done a zoom on that. I will absolutely do one again as it gets closer because that is a huge topic every single year for a reason. It's super common. Unfortunately, we'll get through that. We all make it through 100% of our toughest days. We do. And it doesn't have to feel good getting through them, but you know, at least on the, there is another side of that, you know? So I've been worrying about packing and moving. And today I had to finally tell myself, even if I wait until moving day, it's going to get done. I'm going to get it done. Absolutely. When it comes to also working with neurodivergency, when you're doing a big thing like moving, it's not just that we just throw the shit in a box and go. There's so much mental energy that goes into the process in which we do things. So that being said, you know, you're not going to have to pay a penalty or like get your shit locked up because you didn't move it out in time. Come hell or high water, you will get it out of there. So even if you do a little bit every day, when you hit that threshold, allow yourself to be done for the day, but don't stop yourself from going there looking for that crunch time. Just do what you can. And like you said, like you're doing, which is fabulous. Give yourself the forgiveness that if it doesn't happen on a schedule, it would for someone else. They're not living in your shoes. They don't matter. You know, you'll get it done. Okay. So, um, Evie always reminds me, oh, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite. Someone's urgency is not your emergency. Absolutely. I love it. How should we apply the thermostat to holiday plans? So I think that depends on what it is in those holiday plans that raises the thermostat. And I think it's also realizing that there is no, there's not necessarily always the opportunity for ideal there. So sometimes it might feel like trying to regulate your thermostat might be more effort than it's worth. Sometimes it might be tempting to just grit and bear it, get through it and, you know, pick up the dam the pick up the pieces and fix the damage after but here we're trying to just not have any damage to have to fix so um i think it's figuring out what gets your thermostat that to go up or to change and then figure out what it is you would want in an ideal situation and try to find a way that compromises between the two um this i could more specifically help with thermostat management if when you guys are going through a situation where you're like, I don't know how to regulate my thermostat, send me a text with what's getting your thermostat moving. 
And then I can help you because sometimes it's just so specific on the situation itself. But generally, figure out what it is that you know you're you're feeling like it's getting you hot in the bad way, and then look at what you would ideally want and try to find a happy compromise between the two. Doesn't always work, but the framework I try to start with. So, okay, let's get into sweets. Who feels, and now a lot of you guys are savories, a lot of you guys, it's not even about food for you. So, but those who heard that today was going to be dedicated to sweets and stress, who heard that and went, whoop, that's me. Tell me in the chat if you are excited that today's topic is about sweets. Got a couple of me's going on in the chat. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about why that is. So <clears throat> we derive, there's a few reasons. We derive serotonin, our happiness hormone, from carbohydrates. Sugar is the quickest, easily, easiest absorbed kind of carb that there is. It's like a quick fix of serotonin, essentially. So if we're having issues where, you know, our serotonin is lower, let's say depression, let's say it's irregular from trauma. Let's say that all any anything having to do with our serotonin is affected because there's several reasons that that could be the case. We will be at a higher likelihood to seek out sweets as a quicker fix for our body to get the serotonin that it needs. Also, insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is without making this a whole lengthy thing on that insulin and there if you find um if you go on the spotify or on the facebook page or, or the classroom and you look for the carbs baby step video um that one will explain insulin and its role a little bit more in depth but if you're having insulin resistance if you are making too much insulin for what you are actually eating like you eat x amount of carbs and you're supposed to release x amount of insulin but you release i'm just using this as a fake number 10 units more than you're supposed to release Aside from that wreaking havoc on your hormones, what that does is it drops your blood sugars too, <clears throat> too far. Damn voice. It drops your blood sugars too far. When that drops your blood sugars too far, and those of you who type ones in here, we have a whole different spiel because we give ourselves the insulin we need. So you can still be insulin resistant based on your blood sugars. You take more insulin than you need, but us, it's a whole other thing. For those of you who are releasing too much insulin and dropping low as a result, what you're feeling when you have those crazy sugar cravings where you feel like, like you can do nothing else until you get something sweet. If it's from insulin, it's because it's your body's reaction to having to having your blood sugars be too low. It is a biological reaction. My type ones in here know don't come between us and some freaking sugar when we're really low. And granted, it's more extreme for us, but that that is a biological reason. It's a survival skill. Like I had to work really hard at not going way overboard with my with my like eating sugar and carbs and stuff whenever I ran a low because it literally incites like a panic in you to go find that thing, go find that sugar, go find those carbs and eat it. Well, people with insulin resistance, when you drop too low, you experience the same thing. The difference is that your livers eventually kick in with glucose to bring your blood sugars back up. But if you are understandably, cause it's super intense, it's not just a, you know, like I can, I'm in the mood for some chocolate. It's like crackhead craving, right? So 
understandably, when you give in and you have something sweet, the cycle repeats because then your body releases insulin for those carbs and it releases too much. And then it'll drop you again. And then when you drop down again, you're going to have that same craving. And then you just feel like you're being ran by cravings. That's not just you being a shithead who can't stop eating donuts. That is literally biology. It is built in to help us survive. It's just some wires are getting crossed. Is this, does this help so far? Anyone feel validated by that spiel so far? And then, and that's what, and because of that cycle, that's what makes it so hard to break. You know, like it's not just uh, why don't I want an apple instead? Like it, there's so much more to it. Um, also our period, it is not a cop-out. We, ha- our hormones are fucking crazy during our period week, you know, during like different, the shifting of the phases throughout the month. Um, and that's like, if you're just like going about life, you know, you got no issues, no health issues, no real trauma or stress. We have like, check, 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 you know? So yeah, you're going to want some fucking chocolate like once a month, it's, it's going to come. So, um, and then also dopamine for ADHD. So sugar reduced pain period. Well, by the way of serotonin release, that's why, because we derived serotonin from sugar. So our body, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. Like when we stop trying to fight it and we start trying to listen to all of, even though it's inconvenient, the things our body is telling us, it's like amazing. We've been told to not want this information for so long. And it's not, it doesn't always feel great, but it is great to have that level of involvement to feel like this is why shit's going down. Okay. You know, it doesn't feel like we're just cursed with this existence. So dopamine for ADHD, those of us in here who are dopamine hunters, we want more, we want more and more and more and more. Give us the dopamine, incentivize us, you know, challenge us. Um, but don't challenge us to keep things consistent. We need it exciting every day. Right. What's better than a sweet treat at the end of the day or the middle of the day, right? And it's that thought process. It's the, I could really go for, that sounds like light and airy, but when you have dopamine attached to that sentiment, it becomes its own thing. And then we feel we need to satisfy that need to snack and particularly from sugar. Dopamine and serotonin go hand in hand. Freaking crazy, right? And again, I didn't go into this like for time's sake. I would love to continue this conversation more one on one, but I also think there's a sugar baby step video as well. And I, I'm pretty sure that one talks about all this stuff more in depth in the classroom and on the Spotify. Um, let's see. Halloween stress period. It's been a tough week. Yes, buckle in. We thought it ended with the freaking retrograde, right? Nope. Um. That's how I feel alcohol is for me. That is, did you know there is a direct correlation between binge eating and people who have a hard time with alcohol? Direct correlation. And there is a, another correlation between those with ADHD, OCD, and binge eating, binge drinking, kind of the same thing. It's the dopamine hunt. So Starbucks, hell yeah. Starbucks puts so much freaking sugar in all their stuff. And this isn't meant to shame it. It's delicious. But something feels innocent when it's being drank, drunk, drunk. When you're drinking something, it feels, it always just feels more innocent than if you're chewing it for some reason. But, um, 
I just think it's a quicker supply, you know, it cuts chewing right out of the way. Um, that's how I think of it. And that's the same, whether it's alcohol, Starbucks, like whatever it is, you know, anything like that. So guys, I can't, do you see, this is what's, he's just looking at me in my eyes, trying to get me to love him. What? I'm on a zoom. I can't right now. I love you. We'll cuddle soon. <laughs> he did not like that reply. Oh, you're so cute. Um, anyway, so sugar also binge behavior. So nostalgia, I mentioned before reward punishment, um, feeling bored. There's, there's a video on binge patterns that I, I definitely am going to be bringing up in the coming weeks as well. But, um, I think it's really connected. Sugar and binge patterns are just highly connected on so many levels. The fun, here's a fun fact, right? Sugar is what's called a neuro exciter. So sugar is what's called a neuro exciter. Um, what happens is it, the, our, our taste buds are directly connected to our brain and then it registers what we're tasting and then it sends it on up to our brain. And then that's how we know what we're tasting, blah, blah, blah. So sugar is considered a neuro exciter, much like MSG. If you know why MSG is bad, different conversation, sorry, but similar mechanism, right? It overstimulates the taste buds, which why is why MSG is added to food as a flavor enhancer, which is why sugar tastes so freaking good. You know, it's because it excites the hell out of our taste buds, but this also damages that connection. MSG just like kills it completely, but like sugar damages that connection over time. So the level of sweetness that you got before that registered as sweet enough to be enjoyable now, like now won't necessarily be as strong as it was in the past. So you need more sugar. And then you get used to that and your, your taste buds kind of level out and then you need more sugar. So if you've ever stopped sugar for a while and then ate something or drank something that you used to have all the time, and it just feels like so powerful to you and so sweet, that's why our taste buds actually start to recover and heal after we're not overexposing them to so much excitement all the time with sugar. And then it ends up, you know, we, we don't need as much for things to be sweet. Like in a lot of countries where they enjoy, I, I talk about Greece all the time. It's where I come from, right? So like about my mom's side. So I love the Greek culture there because I find it so fascinating, their relationship with food and flavor and the ingredients they use and everything. They love sweets over there. They have a freaking pastry for breakfast. A lot of the times they have Greek coffee, which is like road tar, by the way, with like six teaspoons of sugar. That's to kick off the day ever had a Greek frappe from like a Greek festival or a Greek place, like a real authentic one, that'll keep you up for two days. And then they have like, they have Greek yogurt with preserved cherries and syrup after dinner. They enjoy ice cream. Granted, the portions are like small, but they love sweets. The difference is when you have the stuff over there, it's not as sweet as it is here. They don't need as much to be thoroughly satisfied, but here, we have just more and more and more sugar just creeps into our stuff that it ups the ante of how much we really need for that sweet fix. So, um, I, <laughs> Nick came home from the grocery store. Cause you know what quarter to nine is the best time to cook dinner. <laughs> Forgot to take something out. Oh, well. Um, so yeah, you know, sweetness is, is sugar is just, it's such, such an interesting thing to learn. It's not the enemy. 
by a long shot, but I think it's important to understand how it impacts us hormonally so that we feel like we're in control. And I know this is running over. So I want to end with a couple of things and then I want to explain something I'm doing for you guys. So when it comes to talking about this, the trick is to make it fun. You cannot think of the most delicious, sweet thing and think I'm going to be cool with an apple or I'm just going to go for some tea. Like that's not going to work. It has to be exciting. You, you cannot replace French fries with kale and expect to be a happy person forever. Like there's a time for kale. There's a time for French fries, right? So next week, today we talked about the mindset. Next week, we're going to focus on making those fun foods. So I'm going to show you guys how I take something that exists as it is, not hormone friendly, and how I think to replicate it, duplicate it, make it fun. I want to show you guys my process and come up with a couple of things with you there on, on with me. Okay. So that'll be next week. Very excited. If you, I, I would love some suggestions. So if you guys can, whether, you know, it's in the comment of this posting, whether it's me privately, tell me the things that you wish you could just have as much of unlimited and not have to care about it. And then we'll do it up next week. Okay. So last thing, the challenge, well, I don't want to call it a challenge. Um, I want to offer, I want to start like a holiday. What did I call it? I have a cute name for it. Hold on. Oh, the holiday thermostat chat. So we're actually going to have two chats. We're going to have one that's just a general discussion chat. So for those of you who enjoy a good, like busy, bustling group chat, you like having people post in there every day, like then this chat will be for that so that you don't, no one has to worry about blowing up the chat. Anyone who's going to be in that chat are people who love to blow up the chat or when the chat's blowing up. Okay. So if you want to be in the general discussion chat, um, I'm going to post the link, the WhatsApp chat link in the page tomorrow. Okay. This chat that we're going to do, I don't want to have any side chatter in it because I want it to be that everybody in it really participates. And I, I don't, I think people will get annoyed with it and turn it off if they're not ready for it to constantly have notifications. So anyone who wants to be in the holiday thermostat chat once a day, this is the only thing we're doing once a day, me or a coach is going to ask the following questions. Were you the thermostat or the thermometer today? Did it affect your baby steps? That's all. And then you guys respond with as much as you want to respond with, and then we'll work it out together, whether it's something we can do in the group, or then one of us will contact you separately. But it, I want it to be like one accountability hub where we focus on the fact that we're going to have to prioritize being the thermostat because our situation is even more intense than it already is during the holidays usually. Okay, so if you want to be in the thermostat chat, then I want you guys to, what's the easiest place for you to tell us where we don't lose track? Um, I want you to comment on this recording. Not all of you are on Facebook. Yeah, I guess just text us. Just text me and your coach if you have the two of us or your coach. And then let us know you want to be in the uh, thermostat chat. All right. And like I said, all it's going to be, we're going to ask those two questions once a day. Have a little bit of chat about it when we ask if you want, but no other discussion in there. If you want to have that bustling chat, which is awesome and really fun too, um, we're going to set that up for you guys and we'll post the link in the page. Okay. So, um, what else did I have right here? Okay. Yeah. I covered everything. You know, I only went over 20 minutes. I hope this was helpful. Um, I am really excited to cook with you guys next week. Um, and just come up with some fun stuff. 
I always love the conversations that these kind of incite. So whether it's just me, whether it's me and your coach, definitely, if you feel compelled to talk beyond this, we love to hear from you and love to elaborate on it. So don't be shy. All right. Enjoy the rest of your nights. Thanks for tuning in or thanks for what listening to the recording. Um, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye.